So as we go through the day, let's remember to keep Jesus primary in our thoughts. Because it's only him, it's only God himself who heals and delivers and sets free. Praise Lord. Well, today is Veterans Day. So we appreciate the freedom that we have in our country. Despite the challenges we might be facing, we still have a lot of freedom to be thankful for compared to many places in the world. So we appreciate those people who have served to preserve our freedom. So if you served in the military in any fashion, or a police officer or a fireman, would you please stand? Any veterans that we have in the room? So we thank you for your service. We don't want to forget the normal announcements that we have going on. Uh, we have a baby sprinkle out in the hallway there through the next Sunday, November 18th, for Jessica and Barry Bonner's little girl coming. So she'll be here soon. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. And so we're looking forward to that. So that's out in the foyer. Also, the Young Marriage Christmas Party on the 17th and the live nativity coming up on the 7th. So with that, I'm going to ask the ushers if they'd come forward to uh, receive our tithes and offerings. So, Roy, would you pray over the offering, please? Amen. So at this time, we're going to let the children go to Children's Church. So good to see everybody here this morning. Yeah, I got a text from my grandmother. I was going to have prayer for my granddad. I'm glad we went ahead and did that. He's just not feeling good there up in the mountains. So just keep him in your prayers. And there's a lot of sick people, if you look around, that are sick, that need our prayers. So uh, that that's, I was I was excited that Pastor was actually going to get a vacation, and then he got sick on it. I was like, ah. So let's pray for him. God can touch him today. He can get right back to it. So I think a Fanny Farkles uh, will get him excited again. He has his favorite. The only time he ever plays a video game is uh, he plays Area 51 and shoots aliens. And it's amazing to watch because he will stay there for hours. 
And uh, me and dad have to tag out, but his finger does not quit pulling that trigger. I'm telling y'all, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, but I want to see him have a good time. Um, and and I, I believe with all my heart that we didn't just go through a form. I believe that we're going to get a text back when I call him after that he's fine and he's doing good. Amen. God heard our prayers. Um, if you, I just want to say it's so good to see Drew here today. I know that he's been getting his CDL. Is that right? Yeah, okay. And uh, I was like, it's CD something, CDL. And um, he's been having to work nights, and so he's been working hard. He's got, you got three more weeks. So good to have you back, man. Good to see you. We're going to keep praying for you. So we're, we're um, I, I've got a message for you. It started Wednesday night. Um, God began to just burn my heart. I've, I've, I, I just want to talk to you, just touch base, and just kind of remind us what church is really about this morning. Uh, 1 John 7, 37 through 39. It says, And in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence that we felt today. God, we thank you for every serviceman and woman that's on the planet right now protecting America. We pray that you protect them and watch over them. We thank you for every veteran, God, and that you've just allowed our nation to be as great as it is. We give you the praise for it, and we acknowledge you today, God. Now speak to our hearts and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at John 7, 37. It says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If a man, any man thirst, if any man thirst, that's my text today, if any man thirst. And then he says, let him come unto me and drink. And so today I want to talk to you about being thirsty. Wednesday night I preached on the same thing, just God showed me a different set of scriptures. But it says that the, I want you to understand what's going on here. And listen, a lot of times you can tell that we live in a society where sermons are so supposed to tickle your ears and supposed to motivate you. It's almost hard to give people background without them pulling out their iPhone and scrolling and being bored to tears. Be like, what's for lunch? What's... You can't give people back, background at all. You need to understand what was going on here, that the reason that John noted and said it was the last day of the feast, and it was a great day. So what was happening here is called the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, some, some people I've read call it the, the Feast of Pentecost. It was not the Feast of Pentecost. It was the Feast of Booths or tab, Tabernacle, depending on the translation you read. And there's a reason they called it that. And what was happening here is they were remembering when they were in the wilderness and the water flowed from the rock and fed them and gave them drink and gave their cattle drink and supplied for them. It was a celebration to remember what God has done. And I think every one of us should take some time periodically to stop and thank God for everything that he's done. Amen? Everybody with me? So what would happen is 
is on the last day, the priest would take a golden pitcher and he would go down to the pool of Siloam. Now listen, this was a pool. This was not a river. This was not a flowing body of water. This was a stagnant, dead pond, as we would call it. And you know how ponds look. And he would scoop out water from that. He would go back and it would be a celebration. They would have flutes and they would have trumpets and they would have high-sounding cymbals and low-sounding cymbals and they would rejoice and they would dance and he would pour water into this silver basin that ran right back to the same pond. That's what's going on as Jesus walks up on the scene. Now, let me tell you something else that's crazy about it. They would recite during this time Psalms 113 through 118. And I wrote down a couple of scriptures at the last of Psalms 118. Right as he poured, some things they were, they were chanting. And I was just like, wow. They were chanting this. Psalms 118, 22 through 23. They said, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. He's right there. He's right there. He's walking among them. He's healing them. And they are chanting about a thing that's going to happen in the future about some kind of chief cornerstone. They don't even understand the very prophecy that they are singing is right there. Life is right there with them. Everything's being fulfilled right there. And I want to take a second and ask us as a church, do we get caught up in singing what a beautiful name it is? And do we caught up in the music and the worship and we miss the very one that is right here in the midst of us? Do we come in today just to go through the motions of it? And yes, it feels good to be in his presence, but when we go out there, that thirst is not there for him. We don't thirst for him. We don't have the heart for him. Listen, I can tell you if you're thirsty for him, if you've ever been thirsty in Alabama in the middle of the summer and only thing you want is a good drink of cold water, that's how we're supposed to live as believers, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but every day. Amen. We've lost our thirst. Oh, no, we've, it's quenched. It's quenched the same way their thirst is quenched, by religious rituals. Well, after all, I went to church. After all, I'm here. Don't I get any credit for being here? Well, I guess you do. The devil's here too, so I wonder if he gets any credit. I know he's here. I fought him this morning. Look at what else they say. They say, Bless, Psalms 118.26, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Psalms 118.27, the Lord is God and he gives us light. Bind the festival sacrifices with cords on the horns of the altar. You're like, you guys are looking at me like I'm not making any sense. Am I speaking in English today? I'm telling you. They had their, their religious chants down. They were talking about, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Jesus is among them, the same people doing it were plotting to kill him. They fought him on everything he did. 
But man, they knew their scripture. I'm telling you, if that's not a representation of the church in America today, I don't know what is. We come into the house of God. We sing the songs. We say the things. Everybody knows Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, I know the thoughts he thinks towards me. He's going to bless me and he's going to give me an expected end. I'm telling you, there's a flip side to that scripture. I believe it with all my heart. I thank God for that scripture. But if we're not careful, we'll talk more about God and know more about God than really have a longing to know Him in our everyday life that says, Lord, I really thirst for you. Psalm 63, David said, I hunger and I thirst for you early will I seek you. I desire you, Lord. I don't desire church growth. If we desire Him, the church will grow. I don't desire anything but Him is what David was saying. And he goes through First thing he did was he talked about how much he loved the house of God. I'll tell you, we lose our thirst when we lose our desire for the house of God. It's his house. I love coming to his house. I'm thankful for his house. Isn't it funny? That the religious were satisfied with their ceremony. But in John 4, he comes across a woman that's had five husbands and was living with a guy. And he says, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst. And she said, oh, give me this water. I wonder how many times, Brother Hank, in my life, I've been satisfied with the religious ceremony of church. And I forgot how hungry and thirsty I was for just to be with him. Y'all would think today I'm preaching on him. We've made church about everything but him. Amen? They were satisfied. Hey, you come to Evangel. We got great fellowship. We got great people. Man, the, the music's on point. We love, the, we love our pastor. Man, it's good, done, check. Back to life on Monday. We love our ceremonies. We love going through it. If you think I'm not going to stay here till we get this, I'm going to just hit this wall that's in front of me till it falls. When I was younger, I would have moved on right here and tried to get you excited again. I could care less how excited you are. That's not the message. When I told you that God has a revival for us and he's about to do something in our hearts, you have to see that you're not, you are not thirsty for him. If you don't see you're not thirsty for him, you'll be just like those people. You'll go through a dead pool and you'll pour out and you'll wonder, what's wrong with my walk with God? But the problem is nothing's wrong with it because you're not walking with him. You're visiting him. 
He wants to be everything in our life. You say, you don't know my schedule. I don't have to know your schedule because if he's everything, even when you first got saved, your schedule was probably busier than it was now. And you made time for him. And you thought about him. And you said, Lord, I want your presence in our service. If you don't move in our services, this wasn't coming from the preachers. This was coming from the hearts of believers that wanted to meet with Christ. And we've lost our hunger for the lost. John 4 teaches us that. The disciples are like, Jesus, come eat. I went and got the food. Food's all set. And he's like, guys, I've got food to eat. You don't even have a clue. And he looks like about most church people. They look around at each other. Who got him food? Because see, to them, it was a reward system. Ooh, I got the fish sandwich for Jesus. I'm that special one. And they're like, man, I lost my chance to be important. Oh, we'll just sit right here. It feels good. And they're like, man, who beat us to him? We were about to get that little wall chart, that little star that said a church attendance fed Jesus a sandwich. I can give you a lot that we have built up in our minds in America. And he's like, you guys, there's something else to be hungry for. There's something else to thirst for. Souls. When's the last time we didn't come to God with a list of what we want and actually ask him to give us souls? We've lost our thirst. We've made it about the temple. It's all about our ceremonies. You guys okay with this? And then at the very end, the priest of the ceremony that Jesus watched, watched, they would do this prayer to God for rain. And I began to think about that. Oh, so they went through the whole ritual so that they could get something. Oh, that's what it was all about. Making sure they had rain because they didn't have Walmart. And if they didn't have rain, they didn't have life. And all of a sudden they went and danced and cheered and did all these things so that they could get something. See, I remember when you first got saved, it wasn't about what you could get from the house. It was about what you could give to the house. It wasn't about what you could take and get me, Lord, and bless me, Lord. It was, Lord, I see so-and-so struggling. I need you to move in their life now, Lord. It was about, oh, man, everything I have, God, I give to you, my money, my time time my energy if I can just get you I'll be satisfied and now we're going through a ritual in the house of God for things that don't satisfy I have never in my life seen so many bored Christians it's because he quit satisfying us we got to spruce him up we got to put a twist on him Sinners won't come if you just give them Jesus. 
So what we'll do is we'll make sure the lights look like a disco and we'll have a set little group that comes down to every service and bounce like rabbits. Looks just like the Jews. 100%. And it'll get everybody excited. And they'll leave and they won't know him. Can you imagine all these people are celebrating and jumping up and down? I guess my mind is just imaginative. It just starts to flow. And I can watch Jesus going by there, who is the living water. And he's just looking at them. I feel like sometimes he looks at some of our church services and he's standing out in the parking lot looking in going, what is this? You're, you're singing stuff to me, but I don't even know you. Who are you singing to? There was a message in tongues that came out right before the Brownsville revival. There's a lot of pauses and kind of quiet in here today. Not really used to this. Maybe it means you're listening. There was a quiet like this, and a message came out in tongues, and the interpretation said this. You say, well, I don't believe in all that. Well, you need to go study Brownsville, what happened after this. You know what their biggest problem was? Ours is like we can't get people that say they love the church to keep the nursery. They had some real problems. You know what their problems were? We got these prostitutes and strippers that were making $300,000 a year. And they were living in these big houses. And they had their kids in private school. And now they've left all that for Jesus and our fear is they're going back to stripping because their, their, their lifestyles change so much. They don't have any money. Now that's a problem to have. That's a real problem. So it was shutting down the city. I drove down there and was getting gas. And I asked some guy, I said, hey, you know anything about Brownsville Church? He was like, man, that place is changing this whole city. It's getting wrecked by this whole city. And I was like, yeah. He thought it was bad because it was shutting down all the places he could go drink and party. And I was listening to it going, this is, what, this is what happens when the kingdom of God comes on earth. And the prophecy went out. And he said, my people who praise me will not pray to me. And it pierced the heart of the people. And they begin to pray. They begin to seek God. And all of a sudden, he gets up on Father's Day and something's there. Listen, I went six years into the revival. Six years later. Because I was kind of young and dumb back then. And I was like, I will not chase God to Florida. God's God in Mount Olive. That's what I told everybody. And then God said, I want you to go to, Evan- to, to Brownsville. I was like, I will chase God to Brownsville <laughs> because he told me to go there. And I walked in. And I'm scared to tell this because so many people take things so literal. You have to, they miss the common sense of it. There was an awe there. 
It was not man-made or legislated. Everybody follow me? We don't have to sit up with those golf signs, you know, that say, quiet, please, and legislate the, the move of God. That's what's wrong with a lot of Pentecostal churches, and I won't go there. But there was an awe there. You walked in, and there was an expectation there. You knew God was going to move. I watched this dude in the choir dance for over two hours. Oh, by the way, worship was two hours. He said, man, I don't know if I can make that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you weren't going to leave this because it was so thick, the presence of God, you couldn't do anything but worship. And this dude shook his head like this and danced. And I said, you go do that for two hours and you tell me how your neck feels. That was God. You don't know what that guy's been set free from. But I noticed everybody that came was getting a drink from the living water. They weren't checking it off the list. They wanted to be there. They, they knew as soon as the first note hit that God was going to be there. They didn't have time to look around and say, well, if so-and-so would get that spirit of expectation, they didn't care about so-and-so. It was the same way Jesus had to tell Peter, hey, what about John? Who cares, Peter? What if he lives for eternity? You focus on you. And the water flow, and it began to fill the house, I'm telling you. My buddy was with me that didn't believe that people... When you laid hands on people that they fell out, he thought that was fake. And I was like, that's cool if you think it's fake. I'm not one that argues with people about that kind of stuff. I don't have time to figure out that stuff. I'm at a different level than you. That's fine. Stay down in the kiddie pool till you figure it out. And I just told him, read your Bible. I said, I've never seen anybody in the Bible come in contact with God or Jesus that didn't fall as dead. That's because their flesh can't stand the glory. I love the resurrection scene where they said, <laughs> they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he, and boom, they all fall down as dead. I love it. He showed them just a one, one billionth of his divinity, his power, and they fell down as dead. But my buddy was there. They didn't believe it, and we were up in that altar, and I think it was Jensen Franklin was preaching that night, and he looked over, and Jensen came or it might have been pastor kilpatrick came off the stage there was this dude with his head back and his eyes closed he couldn't see him and his hand got about right here and it was about three feet from the guy and he fell out under the power of god flat as a pancake and stayed there and my buddy said i believe i believe that guy had no way of knowing i believe you can fall under the power of god amen <laughs> We're at a place in the church world today. We don't even want to talk about that. We're just like, please come. Please give. Look at preachers. I eat with them all the time. They're worn out. They're begging people. Please come. Please give. The Highlands is coming to Fultondale. And all the preachers are going, oh, no. We're going to lose all of our members. We're having meetings on how we can reach them and keep them. I'll tell you how to keep them living water. Let them drink of the drink that, listen, today, I don't know what I'm fighting. But I know this, who cares about me? 
I know God told me to tell our church to get ready for this revival that he's about to do. We have to get rid of the things that's keeping us from being thirsty. Tomorrow morning, you've got to tell God I've lost my thirst somewhere. When he told me this, the first thing I did was, Lord, make me thirsty again. Just make me thirsty. You ever been really thirsty? Let me thirst for you like that, Lord. I remember times over the years laying right here saying, God, if you don't want to move, just bring me to heaven. I remember being that thirsty. But I was like, if you don't come and move and change lives, see, now what we're doing, and preachers don't even realize they're doing this. What we're doing is, now we're doing behavior modification. Now, instead of them getting that river of living water inside of them, and listen, I'm talking to people that have been saved for a long time. They have somewhere lost their connection. And they've been hungry for everything. Listen, right now in America, you can be hungry for sports. It's hunting season. You can care more about your guns and killing deer and fishing. You can have any. You want it, you can have it. There's every hobby in the world that you can get hungry for. And see, what preachers do is they try to preach warning about those things. You can't preach all those things. How about died trying to do it? If, if, you, if I have to tell you what to watch and what to listen to and where to go, you don't have Jesus. Because if old things didn't pass away and behold, all A-L-L become new, you've lost him somewhere. You've lost him. Are there times where he sanctifies us? I know that's like a crazy word that you've probably never heard before sanctify you me and Roy had a great talk the other day about things God sanctifies you from you just walk in one day and you're in prayer and the Lord says hey by the way that displeases me what that displeases you see we try to make oh sanctify it's mystical in the clouds no it's walking with him I'll never forget when I got called to preach and some of you heard this so bear with me I got called to preach I preached every Wednesday night to our youth group at Farstill Church of God when I got called to preach in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Didn't think nothing about it. God moved. God touched people. One night I laid hands on this girl that didn't even have an open ear and God opened her ear in my shorts. <gasps> oh, no. God doesn't do shorts. Really? That's funny but he can do you in a dress that's the same length. I got it. I got you. I love, I love the religious. I like playing with them. Until he spoke to me one day and said, I don't want you to preach in shorts anymore. Wasn't an argument. That was sanctification. I didn't judge anybody that does. You probably don't know this, but me and Bethany don't go to movies. I'm not paying my money to Hollywood to make more trash. I don't judge anybody that does. I don't care if you what you do, go do it. If I start picking on you, you'll come back to me and say, yeah, you don't do this, but you do do this. That is garbage, and that's a death trap. Because one day God says to you, hey, stop the shorts. Got it. 
Check. Put on a pair of blue jeans and put the same T-shirt on. <laughs> kept right on rolling. God kept right on moving. That's what I'm telling you. I think we hear these words. And we get scared of them like they're impossible. Like when you hear sanctification nowadays, you're like, that means I sit in a room, I burn my cell phone, I burn my TV, and I sit in a room with just my Bible. He says, Father, keep them in this world. Don't take them out of it. If you take them out of it, there's nobody to proclaim me. Keep them in it. Amen. I thought people would like that point. Let's walk with him. Let's, when we get thirsty. My granddad went through an experience that I've had the pleasure of getting the overflow of his experience. He'll tell you he walked into his room one day. It was right when I got called to preach. Tell me God's timing's not perfect. So I would sit with him. He would come out of his downstairs basement. And I know you're not going to believe this, and that's okay. His face literally was glowing. He would lean back in his recliner and just say, Oh, son, I realized something. It's all about love. It's all about compassion. We've made the gospel everything but love and compassion on our brothers. And it would just flow over into my heart. And I watched him have that thirst. I'm telling you, it changed his whole entire life. And he would say to me, Son... When God showed up in my bedroom, it was such a great experience that I doubted if I'd ever been saved. And he said, I got a book. He told me to go get a book by Charles Finney. And Charles Finney was writing in his diary. And three different times he had encounters with God that were so real that he began to doubt that he'd ever been saved. God was letting Papa know, you're saved. You've been saved by the blood. This is a new level. And he said, son, God showed me some stuff. The first thing he showed me is the sins I knew and the things I knew that were wrong that I needed to deal with. And then he said, then he showed me some stuff that I had absolutely no idea displeased him. I wish we could all get there. Not just the things we know. And listen, back to, I've seen it with teenagers before. When I used to preach when I was 19 and 20, 21, 22. I used to basically come at them so hard about the things of this world that what I missed was they would, they would be sincere. They wanted to please the Lord. And what they would do is they'd get rid of everything like no TV, no music, no this and no this. And they, and they didn't put anything back. So what they would do is get rid of some of this stuff and they'd pick up stuff that's worse sometimes. Today, I'm not telling you about laying down all this stuff and not putting something back. I'm telling you and asking you, when's the last time you asked, Lord, what displeases you in my life? I don't want to displease you. I thirst for your presence. What keeps your presence out of my life? Man, I was sitting there this morning worshiping and enjoying it. And the Lord said, your fantasy football app has got your attention. I put my hands down for a second. I was like, Lord, Lord. 
kind of put my head down. I was like, Lord, it's one day a week. I wasn't smiling then. I want to let you know, sometimes he kind of knocks on that place that you think is hidden. That's what scares me about people that don't come to church. How in the world can you stay? When you get in this environment, truth is shown. Your heart's revealed. He was like, I want that fantasy football app. Now, how silly does that sound out loud? When you really think about the Lord and, and the fantasy football app. We're human. For some reason, it's like we think about that for a second. Some of you got some things that you don't think are big a deal. Get in his presence and ask him. You can't wake up on Sunday morning and think about making sure your NFL lineup is set on your fantasy app. Before you think about this is the day the Lord has made. And you, you know what's going to spill over from this? There's going to be a group of the ceremonial thing, people that say, this was such a legalistic sermon. This has nothing to do with legalism. And this has to do with sanctification. It's progressive. It's instantaneous and it's, and it's progressive. So I'm not really assembly of God or church of God in that belief. I'm really both. Because I believe it's both. And I believe everybody in here that loves the Lord could see where it was both. There were some things that you let go of at that altar. And there were some things he had to work on. All I want to tell you today, I think, I've tried not to babble and I've babbled more than ever. The religious were satisfied with their tradition. The woman at the well was thirsty for real. Oh, I, I'm, let me make this last point. They celebrated the water flowing, right? When, when he, tonight, I hope you come back. If you're discouraged, I've got a message that I know the Lord's given me for tonight, but it's going to kind of be on the line about the rock and the water flowing. But it's easy sometimes for us to miss that we're not thirsty because we always rejoice with what happened. Stay with me. They were celebrating, our God delivered us. We were thirsty and he gave us water. I know people right now, they will literally, listen, if you go to Brownsville Church, the Assembly of God that I just preached about right now, here we are like 15 or 16 years later from Brownsville. I had a friend just go, like, probably two months ago. He said it's a ghost town. I can't understand why. Oh, I do. Boy, they put a badge on their self. We're Brownsville. They lost that hunger because, after all, God moved here. Remember, our God is pleased with us because he gave us water out of the rock. They weren't looking for the new Messiah. They were living in the past on past experiences. And they were rejoicing and jumping up and down. Listen to me today. There is a new encounter and a new experience for everybody in this building. He's got more for you than you can ever fathom. If you'll just taste him again and you'll see that he's good. If you'll just drink of the living water again, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. 
Or we could say, man, I remember that camp service. I remember that camp service. God changed my life at that camp service. Great. I hope the inside of your heart doesn't look like Brownsville this morning. It at one time was overflowing. I was telling my dad the other night, I was blown away at Brownsville. The first thing Pastor Kilpatrick did, and he was so humble, there was no pride in him. He said, how many of you here flew in from another country? I could not believe how many people were thirsty for a real move of God. If they... If we're thirsty, we'll buy the plane ticket. Our plane ticket might not be to buy the actual plane ticket. If we're thirsty, we'll put our money into the kingdom. If we're thirsty, we'll invest our life into the kingdom. All I need today, all I need is a few people to get thirsty. Because thirsty people will make other people thirsty. I've seen people come in from cutting grass out in the sun, soaking wet and sweating. They're talking about, oh, man, I'm so thirsty. They start drinking. What do you do? If you're me, I'm like, I want a drink of water. I think I've belabored us. But I know the devil. If the praise team, everybody stand. You guys come up. Wednesday night I talked about JT, I didn't give you Isaiah, did I? Oh, sweet. I opened right to it. Jesus said in John 7. Oh, I did. He said in John 7, if any man's thirsty. Today, are you thirsty? But look at this. He showed me this. Verse 3. Go to verse 3. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Okay? Jesus said, if any's thirsty, he does not say, if any is not thirsty, I'm going to give him to drink. He does not say, I'm going to pour out my spirit on those who are not thirsty. How did this sermon come about? I read this scripture right here, and I began to think about what I was really thirsty for. I began to think about everything that I was really hungry and thirsty for. And man, if I gave you the list of it, most of you would approve and say, man, that's ambition, that's all this stuff. Great, check. Thirsty to climb in my business. Thirsty to not worry about money ever. I'm thirsty to have so much money that anytime a missionary needs anything, we write the check. I'm thirsty for that. And somewhere in all that ambition and thirst, I miss just being thirsty for him. I miss just coming to church and just being like, Lord, I'm just here just for you. And I begin to repent because when he pours out that water, I want to drink that water. I remember what his presence does. 
If you're in here and you don't know Christ today, he is the only one that can quench your thirst. You can have it all. I work right now with some of the most wealthy men. It would blow your mind how wealthy these men are. But the ones that don't know Christ are not satisfied. Only he can satisfy. If you're married in here, you should pray all the time for every single person. The second biggest decision in their life is who they marry. The first is Jesus. The second is who they marry. You might disagree with me, but that's cool. I know I'm right. I'll point it out to you. Because who you yoke yourself up to is huge. How can two walk together if they don't agree? We should pray for our singles because the temptation comes on them. They begin to see all the good things of marriage. Listen, I know there's a lot of posts out there about marriage is not hard and it's all easy. I got it. If Bethany just did every single thing I told her to do every time like a robot, it'd be super easy. Most of the people that tell me it's easy, one of them just bows to the other one. It's easy. Yeah, it's real easy. You dominate some the other person. It's hard sometimes. Because you want to go this way and they want to go that way. But see, those single people, see, some of you are married, you're like, man, I wish you'd shut up. Yeah, that's because you're not single. The devil starts talking to you. Look at all these beautiful babies around here. Look at what you're missing. There are a bunch of beautiful babies at this church. Look at how happy they seem together. Don't you forget that it's about Him. He's got to satisfy you. He loves you so much, He's got the man out there. I'm so thankful that one day I looked up from that soundboard and that beautiful blonde walked in the door. I was 28 years old and I was like, Lord, I ain't ever getting I guess this is just terrible. I was miserable. And he walked her right into me. Timmy, I think I scared Timmy to death. I looked at him and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And he was like, what? I was like, I'm telling you. I know. Something in my heart just knows. If you're single today, wait on it. Let him be enough. I'm telling you, he's more than enough. He understands that he gave you a desire to have a mate. Wait on the right one. He'll give you the right one. That old song, he may not come when you want him. He'll be there right on time. I don't even know why I said that, but I felt like I needed to. We're going to sing this song, I'm Desperate for You. And the first line says, this is the air I breathe. You know, and that sounds, everybody's like, yeah, we know that song. Let me lock you up into a room with no air. Or, hey, let's do this. Let me just put you in a 10-foot pool of water with bricks on your feet and drop you down in there. 
How long do you think it takes you to show me what desperation really is? Oh, it's cool when we sing, oh, I'm desperate for you. It's real cool and fluffy. Till I take your oxygen away from you. And about that three minute mark, your brain goes crazy. Like I gotta have oxygen or I'm gonna die. What would happen if the church says, I gotta have you, Jesus, or I'm gonna die? We celebrate every person in the Bible that lived like that. God, more than breath, we want you. 